Hey, welcome to MVP's All Things Considered, where we talk about, well, everything the paranormal encompasses. So you ready? All right, then let's do this. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsor, Yup Gear. Is that Yup Gear? Yup. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of MVP's All Things Considered. This season is all about UFOs and strange sightings across the skies. This is, ep- is this episode seven? Fuck. Yep. This is episode seven, where we will be discussing the historical and religious mentions of UFOs and extraterrestrials. I'm Evan, and I'm here with Mel, Joe, Tyler, and Paul. Let's get into it. Okay, Evan, go ahead. Talk about it. Oh, this oh, was, yeah. I have to say, Evan, this was like when you uh, first introduced this topic to us. Like I thought, oh, it's going to be easy. You know, sure. I'm there's there's got to be stuff where they mention it. I was a little surprised at what I found in which religions. Yeah, I, I've looked more into the historical uh mentions of ufos and stuff uh, versus the religious mentions in in history mm-hmm. um most of what i've found in as far as religious mentions of ufos and aliens is more uh more recent stuff i was able to find s- stuff in the i don't know if you call what do we call them holy books scriptures what have you but it's not just like christianity is the one where i had the most difficulty, surprisingly, and I thought it would be a lot easier. Yeah, I figured the Catholic Church be talking a bunch about some, you know, UFOs and aliens and whatnot. Well, in 1891, though, I did find that Pope Leo XII established a space observatory just to study unidentified flying objects. And I thought that was pretty interesting, especially for the Catholic Church, you know, who's pretty rigid about everything. Yeah, who didn't well, until very recently say anything about No, it's not that and... they're rigid. It's that they want to collect all the information for themselves and then keep it under lock and key and keep it from the general public. Yeah, most, In the like, Vatican. most religions yeah. <laughs> most religions like Catholicism or Christianity, they don't really want to believe in that stuff because then they think that if they there is that, then there's not god is not real or you know whatever some people probably think that some people probably don't which i find interesting go ahead yeah that's that's uh, that's something i wanted to ask you know um i'm not a religious person so the the existence or non-existence of aliens doesn't bother me in the slightest um or my beliefs in anything but uh as you guys i don't know your religious preferences but uh I am. What? What? If if aliens yeah. are if aliens are proved to be real and there's other life in the universe, does that damage your beliefs in in Christianity or God or in any way? Absolutely I not. Know, yeah, I know for myself it wouldn't at all because like the Bible itself just talks about you know God made everything, God created everything in uh, space and you know whatnot, and then it talks about Earth. It doesn't talk about all the other planets. Right. So, it mentions heavenly bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that respect, and, and keep in mind, you know, the Bible for Christianity is very earth centric. Most yes. of the, you know, most of these, uh, Christian religions, 
regardless of the denominations or even Catholicism, they are very earth centric. So I think there's some speculation that if an, we discover life on other planets, it would destroy our faith in God or our faith in Christ. And actually, I don't see how it would, because those, you know, Christ was sent here on earth, according to my belief, and it was to deal with the problems here on earth. Not mm-hmm. necessarily. It doesn't say anything about that he didn't go anywhere else. Right. I mean, if it if the scriptures talk about heavenly bodies and even, you know, angels for that matter, it's mm-hmm. not it as a Christian, it's not up, up to me to decipher what God meant by that. I don't think the Bible was written to be the be all end all. I think it was definitely created for good. I think I think that uh, I mean, it would be impossible to explain every single thing there ever could be by a creator who could create every single thing that could be. Yeah. You also have to take into account how many books have been excluded from the Bible, how many have been yes. added. The, the fact Romans. that you all guys the, read books the Hebrew been, Bible. <laughs> I don't speak uh, Hebrewese. <laughs> oh my. Nice. I love Joe. <laughs> We now join this program already in progress. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you make a good point, Joe, though. You know, how many times has the Christian Bible, you know, starting from the original Hebrew Bible, how many times has it been rewritten and, you know, mm-hmm. things excluded from it? And who there might have been stuff about other worlds in it originally. I don't know. I'm not a theologian or anything, so I don't know nothing I know, about that. I know, like, for... Myself, Sorry, like, you guys. Heard... I'm still trying to recover from Hebrewy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've heard stories of like um, the Hebrew Bible was rewritten uh, by like monks that could speak Hebrew. They could translate it into like a King James version or mm-hmm. you know, whatever version they were trying to turn it into. And yeah, they could have took out a bunch. Plus, monks are a completely different religion. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't like something that was in it, they could have just took it out. Sure. How do you how do you fact check the fact checkers? And and King James was a drunk king, so yeah. <laughs> just uh, just saying. Yeah. But I think three of the most fascinating books in the Bible are no longer in the Bible: the books of Enoch. Yes. I mean, that's where they talk about celestial beings, angels coming down, um, the offspring of of these angels um, that they've had with humans. Um, They talk about celestial vessels coming down. I mean, there's a lot. And if you just go substitute celestial for alien, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Oh yeah, mm. that's very interesting. I haven't. I've only heard mention of you know and and of, of the Book of Enoch and stuff like that, but I've never actually sat down and read it. I know, the, like what what Joe's kind of. Oh, go ahead, Mel. Sorry. No, the reason why, because um, I did take a theology class, a couple of them, and I was always wondering why Enoch wasn't in it, and. The explanation, I mean, at first it was, but then they took it out because technically it was considered the book was not inspired by God. It was quoted in the apocryphal book of Baruch and in several early church manuscripts. 
but um, then they removed it because it wasn't concluded that it was God inspired or something like that. So somebody chose to say that the book wasn't good enough for the Bible. Like, yeah, well, it I mean, was never. It. Yeah, it, the Book of Enoch was never referred to by Christ or any of the New Testament writers as scripture, mm-hmm. and um, so it wasn't considered in the New Testament by the apostles. So, and it's often thought that um, the content of the Bible had evolved, but the New Testament stated that the apostles were identifying scripture as it was being written. So you know, it, there are fragments and I think it's important that people, whether you believe in the Bible or not, they, or you're Christian or not, or Catholic, whatever, that you do read Enoch, because as, as Joe mentioned, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, the book of Enoch talks about, you know, origins of demons and the Nephilim and, you know, all, all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, Talks about giants too. Yeah, that's what that's the Nephilim. Yeah, the giants. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. The giants that supposedly used to roam this earth, from what they said. So that's that's pretty wild. They dug some of those up, and I think in San Francisco, dug some up. Yeah, like bones and stuff like that. Well, I was thinking like baseball players, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah christianity and catholicism they do mention earthly things or earthly or no heavenly beings they are earth-centric however there are other religions that are just as old if not older Mm -hmm. that actually um i would say refer to the possibility of other life. Is that a good way of, refer- of phrasing it, Evan? Yeah. I mean, are you, are you talking like ancient Sumerians and stuff like that? Buddhism. Okay. Elaborate. Okay. So Buddhism also references the existence of other worlds because there's some, I found some Buddhist texts that described different various regions and not all of them earthly where people live simultaneously, but without contact. Um, they, and keep in mind with Buddhism, they also believe in reincarnation, but they're very, um, gosh, how do you even describe Buddhism without coming across as a dick? Well, they're very, um, nicey nicertons, you know, where they don't want to humble. Okay. That'll pass pacifists yeah they they don't want to ex- ostracize or exclude where many other reg- religions do so they take into consideration the possibility that hey you can um assume some other life form in another life as well as the possibility that let's say there is another realm and another world with beings that are similar to the ones on our earth that exist at the same time as we do. And what they are conscious and aware of these other beings, they just can't interact. Mm-hmm. 
So that that has been found in Buddhist text. I was able to find and also um there's same in, thing with the Taoist. Yeah, I mean Hinduism too. Mm-hmm. Hinduism and Buddhism, they both posit countless celestial realms with beings who are more or less spiritually advanced than humans. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's you got pretty... like Shiva the Destroyer, that one chick with, what is it, six hands? Yeah. So, oh, man. So there's there's those. Also, there's indigenous um, indigenous spiritualities in that believe that extraterrestrials are called, what, star people or something? Star, yeah. Star people. Star man. Yeah, and they refer to them as the ancestors to their tribe. And hence, they had hieroglyphics. Yeah. I, there's another one you guys That's aren't hitting on. It's uh, the Asatru. The Asatru. I don't. What's that? Uh, Thor, Tyr. Uh, what, what, Norse what, religion? Yes, the Norse religion. The Asatru is their Bible. And they talk about giants and celestial beings as well. Things coming Other down worlds. from the sky. Yeah. yeah. Other realms. Yeah, I did not that. know that. I, yes. I, in, in, uh, educate me, Jojo. I, I don't know a whole lot, but I've heard uh, my buddy Russ talk about it from time to time. And giants are a really, really big thing in the heathen uh, mm. religion. Make a note of that. Giants are really big. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're called the they're oh, called the Jotun. Jotuns. Yeah, in in the Norse mythology, I believe they're referred to as the Jotun. It's spelled with a J, so you know I don't really know how to pronounce it. Oh yeah, yeah. I had no idea. But Honestly. their realm is called the Jotunheim, I believe. Interesting. They love the Himes. And that's the, the that's the realm about. of the giants. Is there anything about like how tall they are? Oh well, no, I don't know. I haven't read that far into it. The only reason I ask is because I mean, if if you have people of a later time period, and you take of how tall you know most men, most men and most women were of the time, versus like there's this random person that's like eight foot tall, you know, mm-hmm. like, would they be considered a giant, or are we talking like something that's like ten or fifteen feet tall? I'm not sure, man. That's a good question. What qualifies? Just somebody of that time could think, uh, you know, like somebody that is, let's say, seven foot tall, could be otherworldly, or uh, they could look at him as a god or a goddess or whatever it is. Well, damn. That I did not know either. I mean, like pygmies, for example. I mean, we all could be guys. What? I don't know, am I oh, wrong? You gotta love the little pygmy, pygmy people. What? <laughs> you have no idea how that will make me and and one of my children feel now that we know we are giants. Because I we am are. somewhat vertically challenged. She's shorter than me. My oldest is shorter than me. And now we know. We're I'd not. like to see a pygmy stripper pop out of a cupcake. 
Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What, what the hell channel did that come from? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, dear. no, but if you also think about during the 17th and 18th century, there were Enlightenment thinkers such as Kant and and I believe Swedenborg, and they had groups of spiritists and theosophists who avowed the existence of advanced life forms on other planets. I mean, they wrote about it, and that's 17th and 18th century when Enlightenment was really booming. So it's not like this is something just from our time of mm-hmm. since like 19. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people think that it's just from the 1940s, 1950s, that all of a sudden, you know, there's this thought of UFOs and extraterrestrial beings, but come to find out it's, it's riddled in various religion, Islam. Did you know that in the Quran, they in multiple places in the Quran, there are assertions that other rational, intelligent beings exist on in other worlds who also worship and are accountable to Allah, according to them. Hmm. That's so crazy. they think that there's aliens on other worlds that also worship Allah. Yeah, for example, I found uh, in Shura Al, I don't even know how to say these things right, so I'm sorry to Muslims. Yeah, Al-Fatiha Allah. Otherwise, Holy Quran 1 colon 2. It says, quote, all praise is for Allah, Lord of all worlds. In Shura Ashura, uh, some they say that Allah says, quote, and among his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth and of whatever living creatures he has spread forth in both and beyond. And he has the power to gather them together whenever he pleases. The Quran mentions over and over and over the seven heavens and then the earth different uh as well as I think I saw in there, I mean, there's lots of them about the other worlds, but the key tie in all of it is that they all worship Allah and they all, um, he controls them all. So they all are accountable to Mm. the same one. He just kind of governs them, I guess, differently. If someone believes in Islam and I'm incorrect in that, interpretation or if i'm misunderstanding it please feel free to send us an email correcting that but i just kept finding a lot of references in islam to these other worlds that was crazy to me yeah that's pretty interesting i was like that's the first time i think i've heard that Mm -hmm. um when you're looking at the more recent, I don't even know if you want to say recent because they are still old. They're not like just drawn up now. I found that in Brazil, there's a religion called the Valle de Amanacer, the Valley of the Dawn. They claim to be the spiritual descendants of a race of beings from the distance, some star capella that was sent by God to jumpstart Earth's evolution. Odd. Um, now, it, that sounds like something that Tom Cruise would be on board with. Right. 
This moment will be the moment of something real and fun and inspiring in this God-forsaken business, and we will do it together. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? We're not even, <sighs> and you know what? We're not going to say anything about Scientologists and L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> because those fuckers will come after all of us and, <laughs> and we're not going there. Yeah, you got to be careful what you're saying about them. That's yeah. for sure. Fake religion. <laughs> um, Mormons. Uh, in the Mormon oh, yeah. scripture, the, they have a scripture, the pearl of great price, and that claims the existence of other inhabited worlds other than Earth, and that God already, God already lives on another planet. So I guess my question is, so are they asserting that God's an alien? I, I don't know. I don't get that. Oh, that would make sense. Right. Um, there's a North American religion, Unarius, I guess that's how you pronounce it. The leader uh, is Ruth Norman now, claimed to be in contact with these space brothers that are highly evolved intelligence inhabiting other galaxies. So, yeah. Now, is that a religion or a cult? I was about to ask. It kind of sounds hey. like a cult because they have a leader. Hey, hey. Hey, yo, I could be wrong. The Catholic Church has a leader, just saying, you know, uh, isn't it just a matter of perspective? Mormonism has say, a leader, just a face. What religion well, how do would we it know? be construed as a cult from another religion? From an, yeah, every religion is going to consider the other one. Yeah, you uh, know. that's true. Yeah, but I'm just saying there's. And not to mention, again, indigenous tribes. Let's look at Native American and yeah. their beliefs. It's an Egyptians. Hello. Yeah. They had a um, lot of different gods and you know, worlds oh and yeah. realms oh. and everything else. I mean, oh, who else made those pyramids? <laughs> Anybody see Alien versus Predator? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, we don't include that, though, in either the Alien or the Predator franchises. We just kind of ignore those. Because they don't fit. They if you're fit. if you're a true fan, sorry. They fit. Yeah. No, How they dare you? You wash your, You shut that dirty whore mouth of yours. Oh, my. <laughs> just kidding. Damn, that escalated quickly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just saying, not... but If you're going back to Egyptians... And the natives and indigenous tribes here, the hieroglyphics, the writings in these tombs and on these plates and or tablets and stuff. Don't they all sort of, uh, not sort of, don't they all depict some sort of. People from the sky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the Mayans as well. Sure. I was just about to ask. Uh... I guess it's more of like a question for the group and any listeners. So for the Mayans, uh, obviously they believed in their, I don't know if they called them star people or their gods. I don't remember which one it was, but um, for them specifically, all the Mayans have, are no longer here. So does everybody think that they just died out or does everybody think that they were taken somewhere else? I think Scotty beamed them up. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. That's a tough. That's making a lot of uh, presumptions there, and I I don't know. I don't even pretend to know what happened thousands of years ago. Um, but for a whole group of people to to just up and disappear with no trace of where they went, no no bones left behind, no nothing. Exactly. Dinner sitting on the table. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty strange. Um, but now I don't know. There, you know, could have been some other group of people that came in there and took them all hostage and took them halfway across the continent. I don't know. Couldn't they have but, just died out? But there would be bones and skeletons left. Yeah, it would be. I mean, they were a massive civilization. Yeah, I think they uh, they all moved into with the Aztecs. Oh, there you go. Weren't those two close together somewhere geographically? Or am I wrong? I'm pretty sure they were close. Aren't they all based mostly in Central America? Yeah, something like that, I thought. Yeah, Central and South America, I believe, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of speculation as to what that's all about. And and for anybody listening out there, I don't want you to think that we're, you know, subscribing to the ancient astronaut theory of History Channel's ancient aliens or nothing like that. But uh, <laughs> I don't like that guy's hair. I love his hair. His hair is fucking phenomenal, and you don't ever talk shit about his hair. <laughs> I will shut my dirty whore mouth. <laughs> I get cracked up so much when I see that guy. Oh, my God. It. Yeah, how did he become an alien expert? I don't know, man. I, I don't pretend to know his... dad made space balls. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Is that true? Um, I've heard it before. I could be wrong. Uh, I Mel Brooks. I will his, look it up real quick. His dad is Mel Brooks. No, I don't think so. I thought he. I thought he's like some Greek dude, like Apodopoulos or something. But I know he. Okay, we're getting off track. Anyway, sorry. I am so. Yeah. It's like <laughs> like shiny big squirrel. Um. So the the squirrels aren't shiny. <laughs> it's the. I think it's that the pyramids and the Mayan tombs that have completely kind of thrown me for a loop because, okay, for example, and, and they kind of interrelate in a way because the Mayan city of, I think it's Polonic. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, there was a carving of Pakal, and that was like this major ruler of the ancient Mayans. And the depiction was where it's like carved out was found. He's controlling an upward facing machine, I guess you would say it is, with flames and smoke shooting out the back. And initially, nope. our archaeologists were saying that it represented the tree of life. However... The two foremost leading Mayan epigraphers, uh, what, a pick, what is it? I don't know. Experts, epigrapher, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, they stated that the inscriptions all around the tomb with that picture detail an ascent into space. And then if you look in, when they went inside the sarcophagus, the remains of that ancient ruler uh, was significantly taller 
than just the average height of the ancient Mayans. It also had a very unusual bone structure. And then if you, the, so he was supposedly <laughs> ruled. Bone structure. Huh, he ruled for 68 years, lived to the age of 80, which was drastically longer than the average lifespan for that era. And oh, then yeah. 25 miles away, there were the pyramids at Tikal, which I think they were, yeah, they were another, I mean, it was a water source or from a body of water that they were created. So it's just weird when you look at the Mayans and how they were able to build such a massive city in from a body around a large water source, body of water. It, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's a jungle. Huh? It's in the middle of the jungle. Like no, no, no. The Tikai or Tikal. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. They were 25 miles away from a body of water, the pyramids. They're in the body of water. So hmm. how are you able to build? And these are massive cities that were also built close to these large water sources that hosted almost there. They assume about a hundred thousand citizens. And then, yeah, and, and like, how did, where did you get all the stone? Right. To, to build this stuff. <laughs> where did it come from? In the most inconvenient location. Yeah. So well, in there's one other of little the, things. Go ahead, Mel. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So in one of the glyphs on the steps of the pyramid, there the inscription claimed that its location was where the ancient god visited from the heavens, and that's why it was there. And these are Mayans. <clears throat> How? Are they able to do this without like modern technology, the resources that they would really need to build these things? How would the and and knowing how to even do it to where it's not going to collapse and kill everybody? Yeah, where were the previously built pyramid projects that failed because they collapsed down and you know fucked everybody up? Where's all that? Where's the remnants of that stuff? Did they not have any kind of prototypes or test pieces before they built this gigantic, insanely huge structure just on a whim? They just knew it was going to work. Right. I don't know, man. Also, in, in the case of Egypt, how did they transport, you know, several hundred ton pieces of block across the entire fucking desert? Right. Because all that limestone had to come from all the way across the desert. Like, how did, what, how did they, did they, I don't, I find it hard to believe that they just set the stuff on logs and rolled it across the desert with a bunch of slaves. I have a question though, concerning that, that whole thing that you just brought up, you know, uh, among the pieces that they found, I want to say in one of those uh, pyramids was that a little thing that looked like an airplane, like a modern day airplane. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. Little gold statue oh. looking thing. Yeah, the little uh it just looks like some kind of an airplane. I mean, it's got all the fins or well wings and everything. You know, it's just where did this come from? And and I mean, did this play a part in how they got built? I don't know. You know. The only thing that I can think of in regards to that is that maybe they were modeling it after some sort of bird and that's it's just possible. what they came up with. I don't know. 
but it does look yeah. just like an airplane, like a modern it day does. airplane. I'm looking at it, and I just the more I thought about it, it's like I need to say something about it. So I just thought maybe that might play a part in it. It's very interesting, you know. Um, there, there's been lots of different, uh, not to change the subject too drastically, but there's been lots of different mentions and supposed sightings of, uh, you know, UFOs and extraterrestrial stuff um, throughout history. One of the f- coolest and most interesting ones that I came across in my uh, research for this was uh, was in Nuremberg, Germany, in 1561, where they had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of citizens that all saw the same phenomena in the in the sky. The whole sky was lit up with what they called dark balls and uh, blood red semicircular arcs and black ferrous color. And they said they were essentially having a giant aerial battle above Nuremberg. And uh, lots of them crashed down and were, you know, were engulfed in smoke and fire and stuff. So it's like a UFO battle was taking place in the 1500s. What do you mean a UFO battle? Could it have been, and and I'm just throwing spitballing, could it have been meteors? Some have interpreted it as that, but when you read the actual text that this is written down, because this is a verified text, this is actually, you know, it's not just hearsay, like they still have this stuff written down, printed. Um, When you read through it, it doesn't really sound like they're describing meteors because they say that they stayed up in the sky for over an hour. And it moved back. Yeah, lingered in the sky for over an hour and they moved back and forth, uh, essentially shooting at each other. They say they were battling in the sky. And then, oh, they were battling each other? Yes, that's what it says. Shut the front door. Yeah, well, man. didn't they also say there was a bunch of debris that landed in the uh, fields? Yeah, they say that at, at one point in time, um, it was as if they all burned up in the sky and then they wasted away onto the earth with immense smoke. That's directly quoted. So, uh, and then they also mentioned something in there that was in the sky that was like a giant black spear across the sky, very long and thick. Um, one end of it pointed to the east, the other end of it pointed to the west. With that, they don't know what that meant, but they, they do mention it in the text. Probably a cigar-shaped craft. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and to especially to be documented in such detail back in the 1500s was is really cool. I had no Just, idea. That's what I like about this group. I always find something new. Yeah, there's a lot of different mentions of stuff like that um, throughout ancient history. I don't know if you want to call it ancient history. but I don't know. Well, I, feel like, I know for sure for myself, I've learned a lot just from this group right here about any and everything. Well, I will say I did come across that the first documented UFO sighting in the U.S. was dated back to 1639. John Winthrop, Massachusetts Bay Colony, he recorded a, uh, obviously it was a secondhand observation, but in his diary entry, March 1, 1639, he wrote that a sober, discreet man named James Everell was rowing his boat up the muddy river at night, and he saw a great light in the sky. When it stood still, 
It flamed up and was about three yards square. When it ran, it was contracted into the figure, much like a swine. It ran as swift as an arrow toward Charlton, which is Charlestown, and so up and down about two or three hours. By the time the lights moved away, Everill and his boatmates had been delivered one mile upstream, although they had no memory of how. 1639. Whoa, missing time too. Right. Yep. That's pretty fascinating. 1808, Cynthia Everett in Massachusetts recorded something similar. Her entry July 27, 22nd, 1808. Uh, about 10 o'clock, I saw a very strange appearance. It was a light which proceeded from the east. At first sight, I thought it was a metier. Oh, meteor. But from its motion, I soon perceived it was not. It seemed to dart at first as quickly as light and appeared to be in the atmosphere, but lowered towards the ground and kept on at an equal distance, sometimes ascending and sometimes descending. And that was in 1808. That's pretty cool, man. You know, it must have been an interesting time to live when when every time you look up at the sky, you know, well, we don't have anything that flies up there. Yeah, no, we, nobody, right. people can't fly. Because planes weren't invented until, obviously, December 17th, 1903, the Wright brothers. Yeah, that's pretty wild, which, which you know, that's another thing that one of the other cases I found, some of the older, older stuff back in ancient, actual ancient history in, in B.C., so in, in 214 BC, um, Titus Livius Patavinus, he, he was a Roman um, historian, wrote about these things that he called phantom ships that were apparently they, they were he saw they were seen gleaming in the sky. You know, there, there's not much uh, written about that, but it is worth noting that they were talking about ships gleaming in the sky in 214 BC. Um, and then another one, the one, another one that's really curious back in BC was in, in 74 BC, uh, the Roman historian Plutarch, which I'm sure you guys have heard of if you follow history. Uh -huh. um, he described an instance in uh, when the Roman army was uh, fighting against uh, King Mithridates. I don't know how to say his name, but uh, he describes this crazy phenomenon that they had. That's, it was like a big giant flame body that, that fell down in between the two armies on the battlefield. But what's really interesting about what he wrote is he says, in shape, it was most like a wine jar and in color like molten silver. And he said thousands of people saw this and confirmed it. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And, and, you know, Plutarch is a very you know famous Roman historian. And, yeah. He was an philosopher. Essayist. Yeah. He, he's, I've read a lot of his works. Same here. It's not like he's just, you know, he, he was well-regarded. Absolutely. It's interesting to see these things, you know, so far back in history, especially in, you know, BC times to have things actually documented about, flying things in the sky and things crashing down to the <laughs> earth and shit. It's like pretty wild. Definitely. Didn't Titus, uh, Flavius Josephus also. <laughs> Josephus. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he also uh, write something in like the first century where 
uh, I can't. Even, I know. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chariots in the sky guy. Yeah, chariots of the gods. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, and he even though he even noted that in I remember learning that his in his writing, he thought everybody wouldn't believe him, and so. He's, he like prefaced it with, I know everybody is going to think this is a story or a fable or something like that. Yeah. But he saw the kind of like what you were talking about in Nuremberg, uh, fighting in the sky. Yeah. He said that he said that they, they, there was, you know, numerous uh, eyewitnesses that he, that he had interviewed and stuff. And he said that there was uh, chariots and armed battalions hurtling through the clouds and encompassing the cities. Up. And then I do know I'm Korean or half Korean that congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I appreciate it. But in the Joseon (laughs) dynasty, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It's one of those days. So in the uh, Joseon dynasty, they had a it's like in 16, 1607, 1608, 1609, somewhere around there, they saw in the sky a wash basin that made a thunderous clap and a thunderous sound as it flew through the sky as swiftly as the arrows. That's interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. And you that is a thunderous clap. A thund clap, like a sound. Yeah, are we talking? So would that. They call me Thunderclap. Be like a sonic boom? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there in 1609. Well, obviously, when they say thunderous clap, like, I mean, I guess they could be referring to, uh, well, yeah, like I said. But yeah, the, the sky was described as clear and cloudless. Um, we learned this in, I learned this is one of my, in one of my master's courses too, that it was a wash basin in the sky and suddenly a loud and thunderous clap was heard as this wash basin flew across the sky as swiftly as an arrow. Now, I'm assuming wash basins back in that time were, uh, you know, metallic disc shaped yeah. objects. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But that's in the um, annal records, the annals, um, because they, during the Joseon. Anal. <laughs> I was just waiting. I was just waiting. It's not a real show until Joe makes some sort of fuck joke. <laughs> but <laughs> the um only because I'm a hemorrhoid. Oh my god. You are not. So no, you, you what was I talking about? Because all I can think of is hemorrhoids oh, and Joe yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So that reminds me. In the Joseon and Chosan dynasties, you know, of ancient Korea. They had to record the daily lives of Koreans to maintain preservation of the culture because there was a lot of strife with China and Japan and Korea was constantly being dominated and constantly being ruled by other countries. So they kept records of daily lives. 
And so it was noted, it was September or in the fall. I might be wrong about September, but I know it was the fall of 1609. It's still pretty interesting though. Hmm. I was reading something about, uh, remember the book came out along, I don't know. I don't know if y'all remember what it came out. I do. Uh, Chariot of the Gods by Von Daniken. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I was alive when that came out, but. Yeah, that was, I mean, there, there's a whole lot of talk in there that they think a lot of civilizations got their start uh, by being visited by star people, whatever, and, and introduced, um, you know, more, more modern ways of doing things like uh, metal handling and a lot of stuff like that. And kind of sped them along on their, on their, uh, on their way to being able to make more, do more and technologically advance. So I think it's kind of interesting. That's what we do as humans. We make yeah. shit. We make shit yeah. better. But I mean, think about it. What makes a person want to make metal? I mean, you don't even know what, what kind of interest takes you down a pathway where you discover something like that. Yeah. Like how do you just go out and, you know, pick up some rocks out of some field somewhere and, Decide, yeah. I'm going to go take these back and put them in the fire and melt them down. Exactly. What do you know? How do how do we make this? You know, how do we know we can make this? Yeah, that's 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 a good point. So I don't. Yeah. It's just it's just hypothesizing, you know, the way the book was written and whatnot. It's just interesting when you start piecing. I mean, when you start piecing together all of these things from ancient history and then what was written in sacred texts and then even modern more modern religions there is reference to other beings outside of earth and it they always say there's always some truth to stories or some truth to lies. So it's it's kind of interesting if from way back when, when there was, you know, ancient times and 1600s, 1500s, 1800s, there was nothing for them to gain. It was before planes were invented. So how would they even be able to describe what they see in the sky? What could it have been? Mm-hmm. And they're actually it's actually recorded. You know, and these are written in diaries. It's not like they went out and talked to the media about it and got a television show or, you know, a radio show yeah. about it. So it's it's just pretty interesting to see so much documentation prior to Roswell. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about yeah. all the glyphs and stuff painted on all kinds of things by cultures that didn't have written languages, you know? Right. Like a lot of the native tribes uh, refer to a sky god. Mm-hmm. A sky god. So it's like, hmm, were they onto something? Has this been, has it really been around since the beginning? I think so. I think, you know, for as long as there's been humans on the earth, you know, there's probably been stuff in the sky running around you know there just wasn't near as many uh, reported cases of it back then because there weren't near as many people in in the world to see it or that there was no method to record it or that too yeah absolutely or could it have been like during ancient times like with native tribes and even with the egyptians could it have just been a common thing to see 
Could have. Maybe. I mean, I'm not if saying it's aliens. Some, yeah, if you've got something helping you build these massive pyramids or establish these massive intricate cities and you've got glyphs of saucers and wash basins or whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. it's not as rare as if we saw that today wouldn't you think I i think we're a lot more conditioned to it today you think so Especially with, you know, we actually have things that are capable of flight, flying through the sky all the time. So it's not really, I I imagine we probably see a lot of things in the sky all the time. A lot of people do, and they don't think twice about it. They're just like, oh yeah, the fucking plane up there. Mm -hmm. Or the International Space Station flying through the sky. Or Starlink. Right. The other thing you have to take into account is... The more advanced the technology it is, when introduced to a more ancient civilization, a less evolved civilization, that technology is going to be seen as magic. Sure. Yeah. You know, that changes the whole scale. I mean, you, you started out with, you know, here we are seeing things in the sky and we have nothing that even does that. We just look at the sky and it's all mystery to us to... Now we've got all these things that fly, and it's like, uh, well, did we see what we actually thought we did, or was it just something normal? Exactly. Uh, I get it. I was like, where are you going with that, Joe? Well, where are you going with that, Joe? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying, you know, like, if you're going and seeing the super advanced technology out there, and you're, oh, it's magic, it must be God doing this. I mean, so you're going to have other interpretations in religious texts. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me understand this correctly. So you're, you're positing or hypothesizing that what, whether it's Christianity or Catholicism or even the, you know, Enoch's or whatever, Hebrews, what have you. If (laughs) they see an alien or something or UFOs in the sky, they're assuming it may be magic or, and so they relate to God or they create a religion. Yes. And that's not an original hypothesis coined by Mr. Robido here. I mean, many guys have talked about it, and it makes sense. I mean, you see something coming down from uh, from space or whatnot, and your religion is completely based around one celestial being that's created everything, then you're going to go, well, that must be his messenger coming down to see me. Me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Hmm. Or him. Hmm. Or him. But in real, in for example, Christianity, nobody has seen God. <sighs> <laughs> you want to go down what? that road? Let's do it. Oh no. Well, there's that one guy who's seen his face <laughs> in a Dorito. Oh yeah. 
Or was it the toast? Toast. The toast. Oh, the toast. It, toast yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Jesus was in the toast. No, but I'm saying like in the Old Testament, which founded, uh, which formed the basis for it um, before Christ. Uh-huh. Nobody had seen God. So what are you referring to with angels? Like Judaism. They talk about angels. They talk about celestial beings coming down, heavenly bodies that are come or heavenly beings that are coming down to deliver God's message. Huh. Yeah. And ver- various other, you know, religions across the world have talked about beings from the, from the heavens or messengers from the heavens exactly coming yeah. down. So if you have some sort of weird alien coming down from space to go and deliver like information or whatnot, well, that kind of screws up your uh, religion, your the way it's going to be handed. Like You're going to have some sort of questioning going on, people questioning the religion. So if you go, Why? well, that's God's message. Wait, what do you mean that it, it would cause problems in the religion? Say that again. Okay, if an alien came down and uh-huh. started giving us information and whatnot, and your religion says, well, God created us. God, God created everything for us, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Well, and then you have an alien pop down, some sort of other intelligent race out there uh-huh. coming down, starts giving out info. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of trying to uh, explain it and go, well, they... They're just a lot more smartical than we are. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. He's a smartical. God sends him. It's a lot easier. I don't think it would throw a big wrench. Are you talking about historically that historically. God sent them? Well, I mean, in my 20s, I've seen plenty of heavenly bodies, so I can't disagree. Disturbing, Paul? No. My man. <laughs> Cue pimp daddy music here. <laughs> and I, I would say something else, but I'm not. So. I'm not saying what if God sent them or God didn't send them and they just wandered down here. I'm just saying that it would make sense that if an alien being wandered down here to Earth, it would be a lot easier to go and explain it to the masses that, hey, this thing is God's messenger that came down instead of some smartical being that could destroy us and cause mass I guess panic. this is where I'm getting lost, is your your lack of pronouns. Who is telling the mass people? The alien is telling the mass people, the masses that they were sent by God? No, no, or- no. I'm talking religious leaders. Would just It would be a lot easier for them to just go and say, this is an angel or this is some... This is a messenger from whatever God we worship. I don't know, because in the beginning of Genesis, they talk about how angels had appeared to Lot and said, do this, or appeared to Moses and said, do this. Um, I don't. I can still. Yeah, I don't. That could be this. 
it could be an alien. I, I don't know, but it, but I don't think it would change the religion itself necessarily if they're not necessarily but it would be a safe thing to say to help stop mass panic see right my my thing is is most people have a depiction of what a an angel or a demon or whatever is supposed to look like and most people would think you know oh it's going to be this fully white clothed thing with wings on a halo on its head Versus if an alien came down here and absolutely nothing like that. So if it didn't look like that, people aren't going to think it's an angel or they're not going to think it was sent by God. Or it's possible that the term back then wouldn't have been alien. It could have been angels. That's the best way to describe it if they come from the heavens, you know, meaning up in the sky. But if you look at what we view angels as as in today's standards yeah you're talking all that but if you actually go back to the book of enoch they are some weird looking dipshit things yes (laughs) i mean they talked about a multi one of their vessels to transport in was multiple rings with eyes located all over it, glowing. Um, like it's really weird. I I'm actually gonna look up this YouTube video that gave artists representations of what is described in Enoch, and I think we should post that. I think something along the lines of what the the Joe was saying. And this this brought me back to close encounters when when the ship comes down and uh, they've got everybody gathered together and they're they're you know talking religious and at one point the preacher says you know God has given you His angels meaning these aliens and that's something I think is kind of similar to what he's talking about. Oh, I, I mean, I could totally agree with what Joe is saying. Mm-hmm. But just trying to look at it in the eyes of what you know, maybe other people think. Interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that's what we all do. We try and find ways to put things in boxes we all recognize, even when we don't. Right. Yes. I don't like boxes. They scare me. All right, guys, that's where we're going to wrap up episode seven of MVPs, All Things Considered. Join us next week where we will discuss the mysteries of Skinwalker Ranch. Thanks for stopping by, everyone.